I think, I think, which means I hope, I pray, I wish, that uh, on the Newsmaker line, that Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics is there. Philip, are you there? Uh, I'm here. I was just taking a call from Jim Ursay. <laughs> and while I've never coached as much as Wee football, um, you know, I was in consideration up until the last minute, but they, so, they decided to give it to Jeff Saturday. So it was you and Saturday. So does that mean this message I have here, uh, Jim Ursay called, please call back as soon as possible. I should just go ahead and forego that. Uh, yeah, but they still need an offensive coordinator. I mean, what are we doing? I, I don't know, but but, doing? but but here's the thing. I'm as offensive as they come, okay? So, the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the Colts are doing. All I can tell you is watching watching that game uh, yesterday was brutal. It was just absolutely brutal. Uh, we could yeah. we could I I coached a flag football team down in Houston, Texas, in 1976 and 1977, that team could beat the Colts right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just not fair to put Sam Ellinger back there and expect that he's going to give us a spark when we've got the most expensive line in all of football, and those guys are just getting bowled over. I I feel bad for for Frank Reich, I mean, for him to be the the fall guy here, but there was no imagination yesterday whatsoever. No, no. Yeah, and you can only fire the offensive coordinator so many times. So <laughs> eventually you got to go up the ladder. Okay, my friend, this is it, sir. We are down to uh, T-minus almost zero here. Uh, tomorrow is the day. Uh, this is uh, this is election eve. Uh, and tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock here in, uh, in Indiana, the polls open. And my understanding, now polls close at 6 here. Aren't we still like one of the first states that closes? Mm-hmm. And that's really important because when we're looking at some of these races uh, in Indiana from a national perspective, the expectation is that Republicans are going to do well, obviously, because it's an off year, because of the economy, so on and so forth. But from a national perspective, yeah. what we're going to be looking at in these congressional races is do Republicans squeak out victories? Do they win by two points, four, six, eight? And that margin is going to give us a decent indication early in the night of whether or not this could be a wave. That's at, I think, 6 o'clock. Then at 7 o'clock in Virginia, that's where their polls close. And if we see something similar, similar margins, then we're going to start to realize that the momentum's real. Yeah, there are three house races there that I'm looking at in Virginia that if if we if we take a lot here in Indiana and then if Virginia starts coming in uh, of the three races I'm looking at and I don't have the numbers right in front of me now I, I know the second district is one of them uh, but if we take one of them that's a good night if we take two that's really good if we take three it's almost Katie bar the door and and I'll tell you the other one I'm really looking forward to and I don't know you know only people who are from Indiana would get this but the first congressional district there in Northwest Indiana, Jennifer Ruth Green. If Jennifer Ruth Green, who is a terrific campaigner uh, and a terrific lady, uh, if she should somehow take that first district, uh, Philip, Democrats might as well lay down, just like the chickens getting ready to be moved to a new farm, they might as well lay down the road and let their feet get tied up because it's all over. Yeah. Uh, you would you would know better than I do, but when's the last time uh, a Republican represented the first district? I think it's been quite some time, and so that could be a pretty interesting mile marker. If she wins that race there, 
that this is not just your standard issue off your election, that instead uh, this is something that could potentially be more historic. All the all the pollsters and operatives that I'm talking to, the expectation is obviously that Republicans are going to retake the House. At this point, um, the thought that Democrats would hold on, uh, that's, that, that does not comport with reality. But, you know, if we're looking at not just, you know, 2025 pickup seats for Republicans, um, and instead of we're looking at a real wave, uh, then that, that changes history. That forces Biden to the negotiation table and maybe the next two years look very different than the, the last two that we lived through. Yeah, because it'll be, first of all, it'll be a very different Congress that he looks at down at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue. And not just because it would be a, a Republican House and what I think will be a four or five seat majority of a Republican Senate. Uh, but it would be uh, like, for example, if you do flip Indiana's first, that would be. Um, that that would be so huge. I mean, everybody's going to be talking Republican Wednesday morning when we get up. If 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 races like that happen across the board, mm-hmm. the the question that the press corps had for the White House today. Obviously, we pressed them on some of the remarks that the president made over the weekend about uh, coal-fired power plants and about drilling. But the question for our planning purposes was is the president going to hold a press conference the day after the election like Obama and Trump and Clinton and Bush did? Is he going to face the music and explain what went well from his perspective or what went poorly? The word that we got from the White House is there will be some sort of address. We don't know what that's going to look like, uh-huh. but you know it'll happen when we know more. And, and that, that tells you two things. One, um, the White House and many Democrats are leaning into the expectation that some of these races are not going to be decided on Election Day. For instance, um, in Georgia, yep. that race is expected to go to a runoff, but then also you know, there's going to be some counting of, of mail-in ballots. And so the White House is saying, look, well, we've, we've got to wait until all the dust settles. But then the other thing that tells you is – they know it's going to be bad. They know it's going to be rough, and they are not eager, um, you know, for the the president to face a uh, press corps who now really is forced to hold his feet to the fire. Yeah, Philip, as you're speaking to me right now, are you sitting down? <laughs> no, but should I? The last time the Republicans held the first district in Indiana, nineteen thirty-one. Oh wow! Can you believe that? I mean, that, that's, so if she, that's, that's unreal. Amazing. Um, if, if she's able to flip that seat, I mean, this is a perhaps a once in a century um, development, certainly for her. But, you know, then if we see that trend continue, um, you know, I've, I've got to tell you, President Biden, he, he he's a political animal. He knows uh, that sometimes he's more harm than good. And that's why in the run up to this election, the guy's been keeping a pretty low profile. Mm-hmm. He'll do some fundraising events. He'll speak to the DNC. He'll travel to blue states like Maryland, New York, and California. But no, he's not getting on the road to help out um, Representative Tim Ryan in Ohio or Senator Cortez Masto in Nevada. Um, for the most part, he's kept his head down. And I think that that's because uh, they know 
that the historical trends plus the the current environment with the the economy do not favor him. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, and it might not be his total decision that he doesn't go out and open his mouth and make some commentaries. Uh, the people that work for him might be saying, sir, why don't you just sit here and drink another one of these iced teas that we've made for you and uh, <laughs> just keep him back. You know, you're talking about, talking about Georgia, and I'm looking now at the latest polls from Real Clear Politics, uh, and it looks like down in Georgia, Things are definitely trending the way that Walker would like rather than Warnock. Um, if you take if you take the shenanigans that have been done, well, guess what? I had a I had a was going to have a baby too, and he paid for my abortion as well. It's just amazing to me that you get two or three women that do that, and they all come out the week before the election. And that alone makes me not believe any of it. You know, I mean, which is probably unfair, but I'm just telling you, it just strikes me as extremely. Odd, but I'm looking at, at real clear politics, and I'm see, I'm seeing there uh, that you've got on one you've got Walker by two, Walker by one, Walker by two, Kemp by five, Kemp by seven, Kemp by nine, because doesn't Kemp doing really well actually also in the end help Walker? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we should look out for on election night. A lot of these governors' races, there's 36 of them that are on the board. And that governor's race in whatever state you're in, that is going to have a massive impact, perhaps more so uh, than these congressional races, on the lives of the people in that state. Whether it's a question about abortion policy, whether it's a question about policing, um, a lot of these governors are much closer to the problem and can have a much larger effect. And so, you know, immediately um, in the the short term, yeah, Kemp, uh, Kemp running up. Uh, the score against Stacey Abrams, maybe with that momentum, uh, his coattails are long enough for Walker to follow behind him. And maybe that's what saves them in Georgia. We could also see a similar dynamic in Arizona where Carrie Lake um, is quickly becoming the the GOP rock star uh, of the right. And maybe um, her momentum brings Blake Masters uh, with her. But in Pennsylvania, this is particularly interesting, uh, in Pennsylvania, Oz and Fetterman are neck in neck, but Shapiro, the Democrat there, is leading uh, the Republican challenger. And that is because, you know, the Republican gubernatorial candidate um, has said a, a number of pretty controversial things there. And so if, if he ends up losing, maybe he's a, a, a drag um, on on Oz there, and and you know this could have a, a massive repercussion for for who controls uh, the Senate. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's assume for a moment. Okay. Let's assume for a moment, Oz does not pull this off. That uh, that uh, Pennsylvania goes uh, to the Democrat. Um, is it still plausible that Wisconsin is going to be Republican? Is it still plausible? that Michigan might go Republican, that New Hampshire might go Republican, and Georgia and Florida and, uh, as you said, Arizona and even Oregon. I mean, there are some states that are now they're in the mix being talked about. I can't believe we're even talking about them. Yeah, um, I think that in Oregon and Washington, it's been really interesting uh, to see some of the, the challengers there. For instance, um, you know, in, in Washington, you have Smiley, who is challenging Senator Patty Murray. 
that signals to me um, not necessarily that the incumbent senator is in trouble. Um, the expectation is that that she's going to be able to, to hold out. Um, but, you know, Murray's got a, a three-point lead o- over Smiley. That's not a very comfortable place for uh, yep. a, a, a incumbent. So maybe, you know, maybe we do see an upset there. Uh, but, you know, it, it's certainly possible that, one, you know, Smiley could end up helping out some, uh, you know, races for the House. Um, and, you know, she loses, but she creates momentum. But two, what that shows is Democrats have no business losing in Washington. They don't have any business losing in New York. They, they should not be behind uh, in the governor's race in, in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So what that shows is that, one, Democrats, they have to use uh, some of their resources to play defense. But two, um, perhaps this is not just an off-year election. Perhaps this really is uh, a massive registering of dissatisfaction, and voters don't care whose name they see on the ballot. They just want to hold the president accountable, and so they're going to vote against a Democrat. Yep. Well, listen, um, I appreciate you uh, getting hooked up with us today. I know we're a day early. I figure tomorrow your life is going to be like a zoo, kind of like mine. Um, so hopefully we, we get through it. I'm on the air tomorrow night from 7 o'clock on trying to do the results. If something comes up you think I should know, I just know you'll call me. So, <laughs> well, you know, you know where to find me. Do I? Yeah, yeah, I, I know where to find you uh, at the uh, at the Dubliner restaurant with a uh, with a, a chicken pot pie. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Philip, thanks so much, sir. Uh, get some rest. You're going to need it tomorrow. I appreciate you very much. It's going to be a wild one. Thanks, it, Pat. It is. Thanks so much, Philip Oigman from Real Clear Politics. We're going to be back with more after the newsinator right here on Wobo 1190 AM 107.5 FM. <laughs> Podcasts by Federated Media.